What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Way back in 2005, two brothers set off on a road trip that would save the world and change television. Daniel and Billy Baldwin. No, no, that, no, that's a different road trip. For 15 seasons and 327 episodes, Supernatural took audiences on a wild ride of family, fate, and faith with a rocking soundtrack and a seriously cool car. But that was then, Bobbo, and this is now. And yes, the show has quote-unquote ended, but we're not quite done with the journey. No, we're not. And that's why we're watching it all over again, or for Rob and me, for the first time, diving deep into every episode of Supernatural with the fine folks who made it. And we're taking you along for the ride. Whether you like it or not. I'm Rob Benedict. I played Chuck Shirley, a.k.a. God. Uh, spoiler! Yeah, it is a bit of a spoiler, but hey, spoilers are fair game here. I'm fine. And I'm Richard Spate Jr., and I played the Trickster, also known as the Archangel Gabriel. And I did a little bit of Loki work in there. Okay, you know we're running out of time. Okay, well, we'll be talking about the entire series, so whatever we say, accept it. You've been warned. So buckle up and settle in. Because this, my friend, is Supernatural, then and now. Hey, everybody, I'm Rob Benedict. And I, well, I go by the moniker Richard Spate Jr. And we're here to talk about Season 2, Episode 16, Roadkill. Roadkill, Bobo. Roadkill. Well, let me tell you what this one's about, Rich. Tell us all about it in what I like to call the summary. A couple, Molly and David, are driving along a desolate road at night. It's their anniversary, and David gets a little handsy with Molly as she drives. Like you do. And I mean specifically you, like you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he makes her drive. I don't know. Uh, not, a, not, a fan, not a fan of women drivers, Robbie? No, I love women drivers. I just, I'm not a big fan of David. Suddenly, there's a man standing in the middle of the road, and Molly must swerve to avoid hitting him. The car careens over the side of the road and crashes into a tree. Oh, no. Molly comes to, and David is gone. Oh, no. She ventures into the woods looking for him. Never good. No. She comes upon the man who is standing on the road the man that she swerved to miss, and he has a gaping wound in his stomach. So she runs back to the road and flags down a car. Guess what? It's Sam and Dean in the Impala. Well, that's convenient. Yeah. The brothers decide to help. She takes them to the crash site, but the damaged car is gone. Where'd it go, Bubba? Well, we don't know yet. So Sam and Dean try to take her to help. She wants to find her husband, David. She's got to find her husband, David. But suddenly, the wounded man is standing on the road again. Ah. He decides he's going to gun it and run the spirit down. So he Uh, drives right through him, and baby's engine dies. Oh, no. So the brothers explain to Molly that they hunt spirits, and they're here investigating the ghost of Jonah Greeley, a farmer who died on this road 15 years ago. He haunts it every 15 years. Molly continues to be concerned about her husband, David. David, 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 geez. He must be lost (laughs) in the woods. Uh, He must be lost in the woods. So they go to Greeley's hunting cabin to look for his bones. So they salt, burn, and bury them. Greeley's ghost attacks Molly. Dean blasts it with a shotgun. Which, by the way, it looked very much like he was going to shoot Molly at that moment. I I wasn't really sure of the perspective there. I thought so, too. And even it goes right through the ghost, but it never hits Molly. Yeah. Anyway, 
The group is able to escape and locate Greeley's house. They head inside to investigate. In the attic, they find the long-rotted corpse of Greeley's wife hanging from a noose, along with a box of photos and love letters. The ghost is back and grabs Molly. Uh, what do you feel about the, the, the corpse in the, clo- in the attic? Well, a couple of things. Number one, it means those love letters weren't that effective. True. Like, you know, it, it, we're yeah. supposed to believe that they're all lovey-dovey, and then the next thing you know, she, you know, takes herself out with a stack of love letters right next to her. I also think it's maybe time to put the house on the market. You know what I mean? Yeah. Good point. Sam notices that there's a tree out front that wasn't there in the pictures. That's a classic Sam move. He's always noticing trees. He loves the trees. He tells Dean that trees are sometimes used as grave markers. So they split up. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Sam and Dean split up? Like they're over? No, no, no. Just for the the plan, the heist, the moment. They split up. You go that way, I'll go this way. Okay. Dean goes to rescue Molly. Sam heads to dig up salt and burn the bones. Wait, what? Sam does <laughs> say that again? I'm confused and I'm reading it with you. Sam heads to <laughs> dig up salt and burn the bones. Yeah, it sounded like you were saying he was, he was heading off to dig up salt. Right, That's which not. salt doesn't grow underground. No. Dean is about to be stabbed by the spirit when Sam sets fire to the bones. The boys admit they know where the husband is. They take Molly to a house where she sees him living with another woman. David! Huh? I'm just shocked by David's behavior. Ah, David, I know. Give me a break. Sam and Dean explain that Molly is a spirit who needs to accept her fate. She died in the accident from the opening, along with the farmer, and it happened in 1992. She accepts that she is dead, and her spirit moves on. Oh, man. Let's dive into a review here right now. Let's just let's review it. It's a real um, Sixth Sense, Sixth Sensian uh, reveal at Sixth the end. Sixth is right. There, there's even a Haley Joel Osment reference in the middle of the story. Indeed. Um, I, I thought it was great, though. I thought the episode was really good. Uh, I, so well done. First of yeah. all, Trisha Helfer, who plays Molly, is so good in that role. And by the way, that episode hit, lives or dies on the talent of that actress. You know what I mean? Whoever plays Molly, because it's somebody cheesy, the whole thing is doomed. Right. She was great. The boys were great, as always, sensitive to her plight in, in a really cool and nuanced way. And the elements, like the car crash was unbelievable. So well great. done. Really well done. So well done. And so you, it just starts with a banger off the top. And I didn't see the story coming. I thought the whole thing was a great surprise. Yeah, same. I at first I was kind of like, okay, wait, what's going on here? What's up with this one? Because it's it's the format is very different than what we've seen already. So I'm going, all right, what what is this? And then you know, the more it unfolds, the more I'm like, oh, this is genius. And uh, I loved the reveals at the end, and I lo- I love that they they switched it up and that the episode begins with Sam and Dean like mid into their mission, and um. Yeah, and, and Trisha was amazing. She, like you said, not not everybody could pull that off. Uh, really, was her episode, and you know, less really less about the boys in a way, because you know when they're talking about like Sam's talking to her and he's having a heart to heart with her about how dead people or that people have to when they just have to accept their fate or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And I thought he was talking somehow about him or his dad or, you know, or something. But really, then they flash that back again. It's like, oh, he's talking about her and what she needs to do. It's really well done because all yeah. of those moments pay off. They never yeah. feel heavy handed. Thanks yeah. to great writing, great performing and great directing. You never see the tip of the cap coming. It's just yeah. really well done. And just yeah. a beautiful moment at the end. And I like the sort of disparate views of the brothers sort of arguing like, well, I don't like them. You know, yeah. Dean's 
non-sympathetic approach to Jared's sympathetic approach, and then both of them watching her go off and kind of moved in their own unique ways by the experience. It's very cool. Yeah, the the boys have never seemed so, uh, you know, good cop, bad cop than in this episode. I mean, right. and then at the end, during the reveal, it all kind of makes sense, because during the episode, I'm like, wow, Dean really is like, doesn't care about this woman. Like, he's just makes, he's like, look, we're just going to do the job and get out of here, you know? He's like, the way he's treating her is very dismissive, you know? And now you know why. She's dead. And then Jared is, I mean, Sam is very, like, sympathetic. And I'm like, wow, Sam's really got a thing for this lady. But then I realized at the end what, what that's about. So I give it, I uh, if we're going to do beards, I'm going to give it, you know, when you first go in and you get your beard cut short, and if you go somewhere to get your beard cut and you come out and you're like, oh, no, I don't think I'm going to like it. But then you give it a couple days, and it's and it's a great beard. Wait a minute. So, so where is that in the thickness level of beard? It's short. It's it's short and really well groomed. So you're you're giving it a George Michael. I'm giving it a George Michael. That at first, when you come out of the barber, you go, "Oh no, I I got the George Michael." And then a couple of days later, you're like, "You know what? George Michael's where it's at." Uh, I'm gonna go. And I feel like a broken record. I'm going Stapleton. I thought it was great. I just thought every every beat of it played really, really well. Again, season two, delivering high watermarks across the yeah. board. Yeah. Uh, Man, so so really. it does not get a full Loggins, Kenny Loggins from Rob, but it gets a nice, uh, steady, firm uh, George Michael. For me, it gets a Stapleton. So good job, yeah. uh, episode yeah, it's a George Michael. I mean, that's it's a cla- it's a classic. It's one for the ages. All right, listen, we have guess who we have. No, I'm going to tell you. I get. Why don't you get? You guess who we have. <laughs> Let's both guess who we have. Yeah, you, okay. you know what? We're so excited. You and I are stepping over each other because we're super thrilled to have this person. Yes, she's somebody that I know you've partied with like a mofo, <laughs> and I've never met. But she's awesome and. Such a great, great talent. You know her from Lucifer. Uh, both Rich and I are big fans of her work in Lucifer. And also Van Helsing. So much stuff this lady has done. And she is perhaps best known as Cylon Number 6 from Battlestar Galactica. A series I still need to watch, by the way. You know, Tom O'Pinnacketson. We have a lot of friends in that. We even need to watch that show. Ladies and gentlemen, Trisha Helfer. We're excited to have you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thank you for making time. Of course. First, I want to ask you, are you guys doing this podcast like you're doing the entire series every episode? Yeah, so every episode, every episode is an episode of the show that we are just watching for the first time. I did a podcast on Battlestar Galactica, the same thing, a rewatch of the entire show called Battlestar Galactica. Oh, awesome. So I beat you guys to it, but you guys have a lot more seasons to cover. So (laughs) yeah, Yeah. we're going to be... You We're lived not, through yours. We're going to die doing ours. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So roadkill. So um, we, we love the episode. We we love you in the episode. You're awesome. What a great role to have gotten. My first thought looking at, at it is um, it had to be hard to, to shoot because there was so much exterior and the weather did not look nice. No, that was one of the, I mean, this is so many years ago now that it's like when I first, when you guys asked me to do this, I'm like, oh, I got to go back and watch that. <laughs> I mean, right. it's so long ago. What do I remember? And what do I not? I remember the character's name. I remember the story, but I definitely remember the weather. It was Vancouver, January. I think it was January, December or January. And yeah. it was either 
pouring down rain and just above freezing or right. it was sleeting and like just below freezing and yeah, trying to run through the forest and in nothing but a, you know, a t-shirt and a, a yeah. very thin jacket. It was freezing. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I we have, uh, you know, we, we watch these episodes and we've been in some episodes and, and Vancouver weather is, you know, always a, an extra character in the show, like how crappy it is. But your episode looked like Vancouver weather plus, like it literally looked like every time you guys were outside, it was a downpour. It looked awful. <laughs> and just cold. It was, it was cold. It definitely, I didn't have to act in terms of the, I had to act to pretend I wasn't as cold as I was, but right, it did right. help bring, you know, some of the, the, I don't know, the, the isolation, the character, you know, just what she was going through, running through the forest. But I do remember Jared and Jensen at one point, um, and they got to, because I was really heavy in the episode. So, and you know, a lot of, I, I think it was a, an episode that Jared and Jensen were, were quite a bit light. I mean, they're never light in an episode, but right. they got to go home a few times without doing all-nighters and and being out in that cold. And I remember at one point, oh. they, th- as they were leaving, you know, at 11 o'clock at night or something, they were thanking me. They're like, oh my God, we're so cl- we're so glad you're going through this and not us. Uh, we get to go home. And uh, Oh my God. What, what gentlemen? Yeah. <laughs> what, what and they invited me into their car, the car, you know, the show car. Um, uh-huh. they did, right. they were, they were gentlemen and invited me in to warm up in the show car with them at one point. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how did you come about finding yourself on the supernatural set? Was that a show? Had you, a, did you read for it? Did you, had you read for it before? And this was another time, like walk me through the journey on how you arrived on the show. Um, I had not read for it and it was one of those very nice, uh, circumstances where you just get offered it. Nice. Yes. So I was still relatively new to acting, I think, because that, that was the second season of, oh, no, I'd been at it a couple of years, but I was up there doing Battlestar Galactica right. mm-hmm. up there, meaning Vancouver. And sure. um, what, do you know what year this was? I know it was the second Hold season. On. We, 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 we do, we do. We, yeah, we, we do. have cheat sheets. March 15th, 2007. That's when it aired. Okay. So, so shot in January makes January sense. January 2007. Yeah, January yeah. 2007. Okay, yeah. so I've been acting for five years at that point. Um, I guess it was later in later in battle. So than I thought, but I was, I was up there. Yeah. So I just, I was just fortunate and got the, got the offer. Um, yeah. But did you know what you were going to? Like, so now you got an offer, you got an offer for a show called supernatural that you had never heard of, or you had, you heard of it? Like what was the story? No, there? I had, I had heard of it. Of course. I mean, I think even, I think it started out a hit. I could be wrong, but I mean, it's because you guys know the show's massive, right? Um, right. Yeah. And I, I don't know if it, started out as massive or it built to that but i was aware of the show yeah i i hadn't i'm not a big tv watcher and right. and i will admit that when i first got the sh- when i got off of the show I, I knew i knew the premise i knew enough about the show what it was right but i had this idea at the time again not a big tv watcher i grew up without a television and like i'll go i'll go weeks with nothing but news on while i'm making tea and feeding my cats you know and um, right, right, and then I'll do- now. Where did where did you grow up? Are you from Texas also? No, I'm from Alberta, Canada. Oh, you're from Ca- you're Canadian. That's 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 Canada's Texas, though. It, so it is Canada's ways. Texas. Yeah, right, so, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're you're Canadian. That's yeah. that's exciting. Well, I'm, I'm American now too, but uh, yeah, I grew, okay. up, I grew up in Can- in in Alberta, and so I just it. A lot of times, I'll just go without anything, and then I'll binge something crazy and do nothing but watch it while I'm watching the show, but. Um, yeah, yeah. At that time, I don't think there was much binging going on, you know. 
But I had the idea at the time, like the CW was like a kid's network. I don't know why, but I just assumed it was like a show for teenagers. So I never, I just never even turned on like kind of, you know, and then when I, I I remember when I got the offer, my husband, now ex-husband, um, had a, a, a small law firm and his assistant, she went ape shit. and she was in her forties at the time. And I just remember she was so beside herself that she knew somebody that was going to be on her favorite show. And right. she was, she was somebody that stayed up. He had to have two assistants because he would have to have somebody that came in in the morning when he showed up at like eight in the morning, because she stayed up till three or four in the morning every night writing erotic fan fiction for supernatural. Oh, that, okay. hello. I'm listening. She, yeah. So she was like, <laughs> she was more of the 12, like the noon to 8 PM assistant. Um, right. but she was really good. So my ex, you know, he's like, that's fine. I'll have somebody else for a few hours in the morning. But that's when I first realized, Oh, so she, this is like a 40 year old woman that is insane about this show. Maybe right. not yeah. a kid's show. Like that's that was yeah, my first not. indication of it. Yeah, that's yeah, super yeah. funny. And by the way, you're not wrong. I think the you know back then I don't know if it was still WB in season two, but it was a uh, WB I, show that became right. CW. And we, as Rob and I are discovering the show, watching it, we consistently joke like how effing different Supernatural must have felt in the landscape back then because. The other shows on that network were James Vanderbeek standing in a rowboat thinking about life. You know, like, you, you know, it's a whole different alpha charged show. It's very different than what was on that network. I mean, you're, so your, your thought process, I don't think, is, was wrong. I think that was sort of the surprise of that show. It was, it was a very different vibe. Okay, so I'm not completely off base there. No, not at all. <laughs> no. Um, and, and, then, and then how did you find the boys? How was working with Jensen and Jared? Were they, did they play pranks on you or were they gentlemen? Were they... I mean, they, they were, they were gentlemen. Um, I, I didn't actually work with them too much. Right. Right. Cause that right. was, well, you, you're in a, you I mean, you're in a fair, I know you have your, a lot of your stuff on your own, but you have a fair amount of scenes with them, like at the house and yeah, no, they, and they, they were lovely. Uh, I remember cause every the whole crew and everybody called them the boys. So I also right. thought they were younger than they were. So I kind of like, and I'm <laughs> older. So I, I kind of thought, I kind of just start, I didn't call them the boys to them. Um, uh-huh, but right. it just sort of, they were the boys and they, but they were, they were absolutely lovely. They didn't play any pranks on me. They didn't um, do anything untoward. They were, no, they were absolutely, they were absolutely lovely. Good, nice to work good. with, good to work with. There was one funny story. Cause I'm very tall. At least it's funny uh-huh. to me. I'm very uh-huh. tall. So I don't, you know, I know about lighting and everything, obviously, but both of them are really tall. And particularly Jared, right? And I remember in right. one scene, I just wasn't paying attention. And we were kind of like in a triangle layout. And I just, when I walked up to them or whatever, whatever the blocking was, I would place myself, I would be blocked. He would be blocking my light. And I wasn't paying enough attention because I'm not used to people like blocking my light. I'm used to blocking right, right. other people's lights. Right. right. And having to be aware of like the light on them when I walk into frame. And uh, that was kind of my first experience of somebody being taller than me on set. <laughs> I, I, I can imagine it's not it's not the first time Rob and I've had somebody taller than us on set. 
Um, no, but I will say, long shot. <laughs> Jared, blo- Jared blocks the light of a lot of people, and I mean emotional light. Sometimes he's just <laughs> squelching that. Uh, I'm kidding. Um, that's awesome that you had a good experience with those guys. I'm not surprised, you know, sort of a through line. And and by the way, I know we're doing a podcast about the show, so there's probably an inclination for, for people to go, they were lovely. But the truth of the matter is, is they they ran a good set, man. They were good team leaders on on that show for its entire run, which is which is handy when you a are doing all so much heavy lifting and b when the weather's so crappy. I mean, the last thing you need is a couple of sour apples refusing to come out of their trailer. Oh, abs- looking at you, absolutely, you know? and they, you know, they, they, um, the hours that they would have worked, and you know, with the the type of show, a lot of nights. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of nights. A lot of nights. And like you said, then you come in and this role is kind of different than what we the whole episode is different than again, we're watching it for the first time. So in the structure of how the season's going, this is this is different from the top, the way that the boys, you know, kind of enter mid mission and find you. And it really is Molly's story. It really is your episode, um, which is cool because they don't always do that. Gosh, I think, Bravi, you could, I feel like you could count on one hand the amount of times in all 15 seasons that this was sort of the role reversal. It was yeah. truly a really well done episode. I mean, so which leads me to ask, and a lot of times people don't necessarily bond with their TV director, but this is directed by Charles Beeson. Charles Beeson, the, this is his second episode of Supernatural. His first episode, Rob, was that unbelievable, creepy kids in the house one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, did you do you recall any any experiences with Charles? Was that an experience you re- you remember? I am so. It's going to be so bad that I say not particularly, and that's probably a good thing because I just remember having a good experience. No, I, I'm not. I'm actually not surprised. I think I think in the world of TV, when you're when you're a guest and you're coming in, you have so much to worry about in terms, of, especially your role in this, in this case, you've got, you are spending all the plates of the nuance of this character and also being the new kid at school right. and meeting everybody that you don't necessarily, you're just hoping you're just trusting that the director is steering you the right direction. And you know what I mean? Like letting him do what he's supposed to do him or her. So it doesn't surprise me at all. Also Beeson is a, a British gentleman. Like he's a quieter fella. Right. Yeah, as far as I like, if, if I'm working with somebody and I and I love direction, like I I love a back and forth with a director. And when you work with somebody multiple times, right? Then you know if you're honest, if you're a regular on a series and you have like kind of the the guys that or gals that keep coming back and you get to develop a shorthand. I love that and I love to be directed. But yeah, it is it is as a guest, it's it's harder coming in. And rem- you're, you're just trying to remember everybody's names and every everybody's totally. new, right? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, yeah, no no stories probably means that I, I had a, a very good experience with them. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and you know, I never worked with Beeson, but um, from, from what I gather, he was a more kind of let you do your thing kind of director. Didn't make it about him, which is a very generous man that way. I, I agree. I actually worked with him at one point and I think he gave one note in the episode. It yeah. was a great note. It was like, oh, it was, right. it was like one of those, oh, right, man. Yeah. But that's kind of cool. Like he wasn't just noting for note's sake. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I sometimes though, like if, if there are no notes, I'll sometimes like walk up and I'll just kind of walk up to Video Village or walk up to the director and just kind of stand there and go, I can't remember who I did this with. And I was like, but aren't, aren't you, like, you going to tell me anything? Do you, do you, what, what do you need me to do different? He's like, no, no notes is good. means good. Just do the same. I'm like, <laughs> Okay, 
okay. <laughs> I need to be told I'm good then. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Go back in there and go, oh yeah, I'm doing it right. Yeah, yeah. I immediately Positive go, feedback. no notes means it's so bad. That right, right. They, they've given up. Right. Exactly. Go ahead. Go ahead and give me a compliment. I'm okay with that. I'm right here. <laughs> okay, guys, hold on. We're coming right back. You can sense it calling out to you. New reality seeks you. Join the journey to save Anomaly place where sound is magic. The only way to enter the world is by looking inward. Along the way, you'll learn potions, chants, and enchantments that will help you both in that reality and yours. So, answer the call and let your campaign begin. Featuring the voices of Ruth Connell from Supernatural and Dead Boy Detectives. There are ordeals ahead, yet with guidance, you will face them head on without fear. Todd Stashwick from Star Trek Picard and Twelve Monkeys. When the time arrives, wherever your journey takes you, be there with no attachments. And R&B singer N.C. Gray. There are worlds, realms dimensions and realities beyond yours anomaly is a role-playing meditation podcast that takes you into a world of magic and fantasy you'll be invited to imagine yourself in scenarios such as learning to cast a tranquility spell or exploring a land vanquished by a dragon but all connected by a shared mythology The goal of guided fantasy role-playing meditations are to help you cultivate a sense of wonder, curiosity, balance, and joy in your inner world. Role-playing meditation is a form of escapism and relaxation, as well as a creative outlet for the imagination. The first campaign is an introduction to the world of Anomaly, its lands, magic, and secrets. In the eight chapters, you'll stretch your imagination, learn to center yourself, Offer forgiveness, find confidence, relieve stress, and stop racing thoughts. Your true self will emerge, allowing you to manage your goals and dreams without confusion, distrust, or self-doubt. You can find it on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Or visit SeekAnomaly.com to learn more. Anomaly spelled with an I-E, not a Y. Seek Anomaly. Here it's magic. Thanks for listening, everybody. And now back to the episode. Um, here's a question for you. So you you were an experienced performer. You get offered this show. You you've talked about Jared and Jensen, and that's great. How did you find the crew? You obviously are not new to the biz, but you were new to that set. Yeah. And that's always that awkward first day or whatever. Uh, how was your experience with the Supernatural crew overall? Oh, wonderful. Very, very kind, very, very aware of the difficulties of the shoot with the weather and the, the hours and things. And and just very, very giving uh, in terms of being being aware and being present and, you know, wardrobe, making sure they're there with the warm up cozy right afterwards or... And just very welcoming too. like 
you know, you, you said it, you're the new, new kid in school or something. Crews can really make a, a difference with making you feel welcome. And the longer you're in the business, I, I guess I've been in the business four or five years at that point. The longer you're in the business, the more times you're going to show up at a set where you, you know people that you've worked with before or something. Right. Sure. But right. Um, I can't remember if I had at that point or not. But Vancouver Cruise, I mean, people are so nice up there. Right? Oh. <laughs> like, Canadians in general are so lovely. I've never had, I don't think I've ever had a bad crew in Vancouver. And there's been so much filming. I can't remember back then, so I guess it was so long ago. But um, the crews as well, there, there's so much infrastructure for filming now that there's really experienced good crews. You know, I've, I've shot oh, yeah. in a couple of places before. I won't mention them, but it was like they were just getting there. You know, the, the state had just given the tax credit to try and get some filming going and, and okay. newer. So we know it's the U.S. because you said state. Yes. So we, yes. we're narrowing it down. Um, <laughs> and not that it, not great people, but just more inexperience. And, you know, you don't really find that in Vancouver. You've got quite a few Quite quite a few experienced people up there. So and, and so at some point you said to yourself, Idaho has got to get their act together. All right. <laughs> was it Idaho? It was my no? Idaho. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna keep um, going. So, so there's a scene, um, in addition to having to be out in the cold for this whole episode, there is a scene where you're hanging like on like hooks or whatever. Yeah, man, a with, hook, Robbie. With the with the creepy uh with the creepy old dude. Um Super creep. what were you actually hanging on? Do you remember? Oh gosh, I think they did have me hanging off of, and they had me hanging off of something. But I'm sure it was something you could get down between takes and rest your arms. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. No, they they impaled her on a meat hook. <laughs> I don't. I um, don't think I had. Maybe I had a harness on, and I don't. Oh that, yeah. I don't. I don't that remember. Sense. I honestly, I honestly hmm. don't remember. I remember the car crash, but I wasn't even in that. I, my friend Monique, that would double me on a bunch of things, was in. I remember. Okay. That's a, that's a sick sequence, by the way. That's a it is. flipping amazing sequence. That was also my first experience of driving in the car where you're in a studio and it's the, they've got it. This oh, and poor man's process. Poor man's poor process. Poor man's process, yeah. exactly. And they're just shaking you with like two, you know, logs underneath or whatever, two, not two by fours, but it's such a funny, it's such like an out of body experience because you're like, I'm really like a five year old pretending to play like cops and robbers or whatever, you know, like, totally. yeah. there's no, I, I'm in the car and I'm just being shaken. And you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a funny experience, but the, yeah. yeah, the, the actual car crash with it all rigged up and everything that's, yeah, that was a, a cool sequence. Yeah. So really cool. Well done. So but cool. I don't remember the, what, what type of meat hook I was up on. <laughs> Okay. You heard it here first, here, folks. <laughs> what? Well, so, speaking of meat hooks, yeah. What was your? What was your heart? As much as you can remember, okay, I know we're going back a while. What was your either least favorite or hardest thing to film in this episode? There was a scene in a house in the woods. Uh, maybe it was the same, the same place where I was yeah. up on the hook. Yeah. But there was something that was you. difficult about, like that's when the, the I was seeing the creepy dude or something. Yeah. And he cuts you. Yeah. There was something in that, that I'm remembering that was just hard because it's, it's just technical and it's sort of CGI or, you know what I mean? There was like a scene in Lucifer and I remember talking to one of the writers that I've become really good friends with not to turn it to Lucifer, but um, this question kind of came up and I was like, there was this one scene I just had so much trouble getting into. And he goes, yeah, we kind of noticed that in the, in the, you know, and I'm like, damn it. <laughs> and he goes, but it yeah, cuts, it cuts wait together a minute. fine. Like, <laughs> 
Not all takes you were really on, but it cut together. Good. You're not supposed to notice that I You're was not. You're not supposed to notice that I was bad. telling you. Um, but <laughs> it was one of those where it's so technical and there's so much CGI and it's like, you know, I'm down right. in hell and I'm trying to save Uriel. I'm trying to save Lucifer and pull him back, but then I'm getting sucked into Uriel's, um, you know, mind, whatever. And right. there was no, you never got to finish a take because you had to keep getting interrupted by the stunt guy coming because it was like, you're supposed to be re-stabbing somebody. So right. the prop keeps having to get run in and run out and what, and it's an emotional scene and you're trying to stay in it. And it's like, pause, knife in. Okay. Continue. Pause, knife out. Okay. Back to one. Pause, knife in. And you're like, how the right. am I supposed to like yeah. stay in this, yeah. this yeah. emotion when I'm right. not even getting a 30 second run at it, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I remember exactly. something about that scene in the house had that at least had me feeling that of like, I'm having a hard time staying right. in this, the drama and the intensity mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. And because a lot of times too, they'll have you react to something off camera that's you're not actually happening too. Like, okay, now you see a ghost, a ghost flies in from back from this dot. Right. You know, and and like, in reality, huh? what you're seeing is some grip in the background with a cigarette. Book. Yeah. Or checking their phone exactly. or whatever. And I know, you know, that yeah, right. time, probably around the time I was really learning about how important eye lines are, are and when you're, and I have no problem now saying clear the eye line. Because yeah, if right, I'm trying right. to, it's bad enough if I'm talking to somebody and you see somebody in the back, but if you're also trying to imagine something that's not there and right, you're yeah. seeing people walk in and out and check their phone and, you know, it's just completely, mm -hmm. it takes you out of it. I'm always like, clear the camera. Yeah. Just clear everything. Everybody. Everybody <laughs> behind the camera, go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, talk, let's talk about the emotion there, Rob, because we were on that, that conversation about how, like, you're being, the emotion is being broken up for that sequence in the cabin. There's a lot of emotion in this episode. There's a lot of emotion in this episode, you know, and carried by you. Did you find the set... Uh, conducive to being able to achieve what you're trying to achieve or the experience overall. I know a lot of it's outside. Like when you see David's house, you're outside and all like weather can be a factor. All these things can be a factor, but, but the story itself was really teed up to be a great vehicle for you and for your character. Did you find that you were, you know, it was a conducive environment to get where you needed to go? Yeah. And that's, and that's one thing about the cruise being experienced and knowing, like knowing when to kind of, be in your space and and you also learn as an actor to be able to tune people out to some extent too. I mean, I know I just said clear the eye line, but you know, right. if you're about to start a scene, you've got to get touched up, but you also still you're in your you're in your own head. But you know, I had, mm -hmm. I had one time once where I was trying to get I was trying to get, you know, ready. We're about to start rolling and I don't even know what show it was, but somebody come up to me and they're like, Are you okay? You look upset. I'm like, I'm about to start crying on screen. Like <laughs> like why are you asking me if i'm okay like we're about to roll but it was just right, somebody yeah. that didn't i guess didn't understand that you know you can't just not all people can just go action and tears or something you know right um yeah and you yeah. and you find yourself at some sets where not intentionally but they don't necessarily know that they're not following the script their job is to you know secure the perimeter from traffic they don't ne they're not necessarily clocked into the content of what's going on and they'll be like laughing and joking and you're like um uh this is the death of the mother sequence could we maybe yeah. <laughs> can the laughter for a hot sec it, oh sorry ex yeah. exactly and and that again it just comes down to 
and some people, you know, they're, everybody's just doing their jobs. Sometimes you're not aware. And I've been, I've been the person too coming into a set too loud or something talking from coming in right. from outside or whatever. But like, yeah, I mean, crews really, I love working with crews and getting close to crews. And I, I, I know that there was one, one scene on Battlestar where it was an emotional, hard scene to film. And I didn't want to get up between takes. I didn't want to, like I was chained, I was chained and bound to the floor of like a prison cell. And I didn't right. want to get up because I found it disruptive to keep getting up and I'm, you know, and everything. And they were so cute that they, not cute, but they were just so sweet that they were like, okay. And they would, between setups, they would like just basically station somebody right by me so that I could stay laying there, but nobody was going to step on me while they're changing awesome. lights. And, but wow. I remember, wow. you know, basically the same thing with the Supernatural set. Like everybody was just very, very generous. Yeah, that set was so great. It's hard to find, really, across the board, people that are that nice and welcoming. Um, so you've done a lot of sci-fi, supernatural, drama, and comedy. Do you have a, a specific genre you like the most? Not really. I think I like I like being able to have, you know, go in and do a lawyer role and then play, you know, Dracula and then go play a detective. And then play this woman, you know, on Supernatural that you, 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 heartbreaking at the end, right? right. You don't know. Right. Oh, and, yeah. And just a normal woman, just just normal, everyday woman. And that's what I find fun is being able to sh- yeah. change genres and and mix it up. Well, I got to say, I came, I came uh, became aware of your work on Lucifer. I was a fan of that show. Rob and I both ended up working on it, but before we worked on it, I was watching it and it it's a great show and you were great on that show. And it's been oh, so fun you. to go back and go, Oh wow. There she was on supernatural. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> part of the group. Yeah. That was my thought. Exactly. Yeah. Part of the family. Oh, thank you. You know, thank you. And thank you for carving out time to do this. It's like, you, you're just great in the episode. I mean, truly there are guest star roles and then there are guest star roles. I mean, this is yeah. a, a, a whole different animal in terms of, being a guest star, you basically carried the whole episode and the, the turns and nuances of your performance are just outstanding. So, yeah, you know, and hold up, by the way, it's not like suddenly you're watching something that feels dated. It feels like it was shot yesterday. It totally holds up. I, yeah. I, to this day, I get people talking to me about that episode and saying it was one of their favorite episodes. And it was just like, I mean, it was season two out of how many seasons did you guys do? 13, 14, something like that. 15, 15. 15. Yeah, 15. yeah. And so I, I get it a, a lot, and it so it, I know that the fans like that episode. But it was it was a well written episode, and I got lucky to get to play her. The show got lucky to get you to play her. It, yeah, not everybody could have done that. No, thank you. Let me give you the praise the director never did. You crushed it. Um, <laughs> there you go. Thank you so and much finally, for being being a part of us. Yeah, book, book is closed. Thank you so much for be, being here and being a part of the podcast. It's really special. Oh, I'm thank you. Happy to be on it. This is Jensen, stopping in to say hey, and let you know that we've got to take a quick break. I'm about to pop. Hey guys, it's Rob. So check this out. I'm very pleased to announce that we have a new super sponsor. That's right. Marvel Strike Force. So Marvel, the one and only Marvel, has a mobile game. And it's a comic book fan's dream. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains 
in a fight to save the universe against threats like Dr. Doom and Apocalypse. So, okay, so your goal is to power up your favorite characters and you complete missions and then you unlock fun stuff like gear and other resources and then you beat other players in a PvP, player versus player mode, such as Alliance War or Real-Time Arena. So as we, as I record this, they're enjoying their six-year anniversary. So you know what that means. Free stuff. Free stuff, just for signing up via the unique link in the description. So the anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. And if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. So make sure you log in every day, each week, you take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strife Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code for every new user, so please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. All right. Thanks once again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hey, guess what? We're back. What a delight. What a, what a, what a, just a fantastically talented person uh, who really nailed it this episode and this interview. And, you know, Tom Ellis always, uh, you know, just describes her as just the sweetest person. She really is a, a real uh, nice uh, lady. So, was, and then comes to find out she's Canadian. All the Canadians are nice. D- dude, let's move on because we have got some mythology to get to and break down. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Mythology. <laughs> Okay, haunted highways and roadside ghosts are some of the most popular supernatural stories in American folklore. I love them. Yeah, uh, me too. Here are three of the most haunted roads in America. All right, you take this first one, Rich. Boy Scout Lane in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Now, the legend says a group of Boy Scouts were murdered by their bus driver. Other stories say they died in a fiery bus crash. Either way, damn that bus. While there are no known incidents of Boy Scouts dying in the area... There are several reports of floating lanterns, children's handprints, and a phantom bus, along with mysteriously appearing knots. <laughs> that doesn't say that. Um, Boy Scout Lane in Stevens Point. You know, my brother used to play basketball in Stevens Point. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, no, he's he no Boy Scout. That I know your brother. <laughs> that's right. Shades of Death Road in Warren County, New Jersey. I don't believe that's a real road. That does not make any sense that there's a road called Shades of Death. Road. Uh, Good Lord. It was my high school band, though. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Supposedly, it was the site of numerous murders in the 1920s and 30s that have cursed the land. Other stories include a couple who crashed on prom night, killing a girl. She can still be seen wandering the road in her prom dress. Even other tales talk of town vengeance and malarian death. Whatever the source of the lore, Shades of Death Road is its real name, and the locals have taken to greasing the signposts to prevent people from stealing the street signs. Okay, you know what? If you this is a note to local towns everywhere. Yeah. If you yeah. name a street or an area, shoot yourself in the face, Boulevard. 
or gum stab your enemy and or friend in the stomach, uh, you know, shire. I I don't have sympathy for you. Like you got, don't do that. Don't don't advertise. Right. Or bottom hole lane. What? I was trying to think of other names of streets that you would, someone want to steal. Why would somebody want to, that's like, like, that's a, Robbie, that's an area, that's an erogenous zone for a lot of people. That's not. No, I was thinking like a, I was thinking like a, a, a hole in the earth. That's not what people think of when they say bottom hole. <laughs> That's why they're going to steal the signs, the street signs. I'm going to steal your street sign. <laughs> <clears throat> Number three, uh, all right. Route 2A, which is really creepy. That's a name. <laughs> Route 2A in Maine is infamous for its terrible driving conditions, especially in the winter. There are multiple reports of a woman on the side of the road screaming for her husband. However, when approached, she disappears. Or so we hear, no one ever approaches her because she's a flipping ghost. <laughs> Middle America, note to you. Also, don't name your scary roads stupid stupid things like Route 2A. I mean, give it something. <laughs> yeah, come on. Dead Man's Curve or something. Like, you got to put a little panache, yeah. little effort into it. Uh, agreed. All right. Did you have any uh, haunted streets growing up that you lived nearby? Well, Anus Lane. That was a no. I'm just just taking. Wow. I'm just picking up where you left off. Wow, trying to keep it clean here, Rich. Oh yeah, butthole street. You called it. Please. I said bottom. Whatever. <laughs> the uh, no, I don't recall them there being any haunted streets. We had some scary houses that had been around for a while. We had this one one house on my street where just the lady was a little bit scary. It wasn't so much we thought it was haunted as we thought she was terrifying yeah but that's a haunted house i get that like we had a couple of creepy homes and neighborhoods but not the street street right 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 you know the street, the street. Yeah, you yeah. turn down hell's canyon or you know these kind of things sure. i i, I right, don't right. i don't recall any dead man's curve <laughs> lane oh shit, road <laughs> <laughs> let's get the f out of here boulevard um all right that was good now robbie you know what it's time it's for? time for trivia fun facts <laughs> All right, Trisha is one of many Battlestar Galactica alumni to appear on Supernatural. The most frequent, Mark Shepard. The tallest, Tom O'Pinniquette. Uh-huh. This is the second time Dean has called Sam Jennifer Love Hewitt. I thought maybe yeah. I've heard that before. And I feel like it's not the first time that they said uh, Haley Joel Osment either. I don't know. I can't remember that one, but but the J. Love Hewitt thing I, I definitely yeah. picked up on. This side trivia that's not written here, but factual. Jensen Ackles occasionally called Jennifer Love Hewitt Sam. Yeah, true. Why? <laughs> I don't know. That name. Oh, oh, wow. All right. When Dean shoots Greeley in the back of the head and his head explodes, the crew used a popping water balloon. Huh. To celebrate? No, like, uh, I guess that effect of the of the blood going everywhere was oh. from a popping balloon. Oh, very cool. Wow. There you go. And and it doesn't mention this, but there was the Haley Joel Osment reference in here. Which I just I just mentioned. Right. But like, do you remember the other one? Jennifer Love Hewitt? No, no, you said Haley Joel, you think it's been mentioned before. Oh no, yeah, I don't remember if it if it, where, but it just feels like I feel like that was mentioned at one point. Anyway, I here's another question was, for you guys. Yeah. They, there's a Ghostbusters joke in here. Hasn't there been a previous Ghostbusters joke? I feel like there might have been. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Running out of references in season two. <laughs> you know, people may not know this, but the Jennifer Love Hewitt reference was because Jennifer was on a very popular show at the time where she looked for ghosts called The Ghost Whisperer. What if we're wrong and it was just they're referencing a girl named Jennifer who loves Hewitt? 
And they were just trying to say that Jennifer loves Hewitt. But of course, we've now taken it to mean it's a reference to the actress. That's true. You're right. We don't know. We don't know. What the truth. <laughs> we should just go back to Bottom Street and we can we can always go back to bottom bottom hole, bottom hole lane. I guarantee you, you'll be going back to bottom hole. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. This has been an outstanding episode, one of our dirtiest, courtesy of Rob Potty Mouth Benedict, but also one of our one of our classiest because of uh, Trisha Helfer. So. Trisha Helfer. And thank you for supporting the podcast. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. And thank you for supporting us on Patreon. And if you're not supporting us on Patreon, by all means, go do so. I'm telling you, we got hidden treats and added benefits for being a member and supporting the show. So go check it all out. There's videos, there's extra photos, extra content. You're going to love it. Go check us out. Nice episode, Rich. Well done. Yeah, same, buddy. Nice work. I laughed my face off. Yeah. This episode of Supernatural features Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester and Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester. Guest stars include Trisha Helfer, Winston Reckert, and Dan Gautier. You know, we never really got to the bottom of your I hate David thing. Is it jealousy? Just jealousy. Because of Molly being like such a classy lady, the character Molly, and then there's yeah. David like not giving an F. Yeah, exactly. You know, he goes and he, he makes her drive. And then he makes her crash. He's, he's terrible with the with map. Her. Let's be honest. He's bad with Terrible with the map. He's being a real jerk about the map. And then he makes a pass at her. But and then wait she a crashes. Minute. Okay, but I just pause there real quick. Well, you know, it's no, I'll, I'll say this. Are you creepy? Yes. But also, it was bad weather. So probably not the best time to grope your bride if she's driving. I just don't love that they crash. And then he leaves and goes and marries somebody else. It was 15 years later. For me, it was 30 minutes. Rob, if you get a hangnail, we're replacing you on the show. <laughs> Mid-sentence. <laughs> In fact, please welcome. Um, uh, mercy. All right. Okay. Roadkill was written by Rayel Tucker and directed by Charles Beeson. Love that Charles Beeson. Miss that man. Edited by David Ekstrom. Music by Christopher Leonards. Supernatural is executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. The episode featured the following song, House of the Rising Sun by the Animals, which, by the way, they needle dropped like four times. That had to get yeah. costly. Yeah, I know, man. I just kept thinking, thank God it's not season one where we couldn't hear that. I know, and I'm telling you, I miss I miss that in the show, in all shows. I miss the ability to afford badass music, you know what I mean? Yeah. The episode originally aired on March 15th, 2007. This episode of Supernatural Then and Now was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spade Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hine. Written by Stephen Hine and Heide Holscher. And edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. What's up, Booty? Music provided by Tim Wynn. The episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at SPN Then and Now. And join our Patreon at patreon.com slash SPN Then and Now. Bye. Now I just started recording, and the first thing that came up was Rob's Erotic Fantasies. Now I'm renaming the file Rob's Erotic Fantasies. What a delight. Yeah. What a delight. I'll start over. Dude, let's move on, because we have got some mythology to get to and break down. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Now do your thing. It's time. It's that time. Mythology. Mythology. Haunted haunted highways and roads. You got to do the mythology. Rob. Here are three of the most haunted roads in America. All right, you take this first one, Rich. In Silver Lake, California. Okay, you have to cut that. That's actually where I live. So please.
please cut that. Steve, will you make a note to tell him to cut that? You're such a dickhead. Oh now gosh. I'm re-recording, and it's still <laughs> saying erotic fantasy. That was a funny one, Rob. Story Mill Media. 